0: Um, so I'm going to drink my tea and I have a cough drop that I just chewed up I make a really disgusting sound when I have a cold and I've been fearful all week that I would make that sound in this microphone so I hope it doesn't happen for your sake my wife hated it for years and now she's just numb to it so alright I'm going to pray before we jump into our passage Jesus, we, we thank you so much, Lord, that you are with us. God, it was so good to sing that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's been a long time since I've sung that. But, Lord, those words are so good and, and so true, Jesus. And uh, some people in this room know how great your faithfulness is, be- better than, than others of us. Jesus, I pray that however much experience we have with you, however many times we've, we've seen yourself, we've seen you prove yourself faithful. God, I pray that we would know that you are with us. God, that you are so worthy of being trusted. God, I thank you for Joseph and his life. And, uh, Lord, we, we want to learn from it, Lord. We want you to be glorified all these years later after what happened to him. We, we want your glory uh, to be made known here uh, in our presence today, Lord. In your name, amen. So we've've uh, we've been going through a, a series that's the life of Joseph um, our titles God meant it for Good and today we get to find out in chapter 50 what that's all about. I know some of you are probably here for Thanksgiving so you know maybe know what's going on I don't have time to recap the whole thing but basically Joseph was the son of Jacob he was the son of Isaac, son of Abraham Joseph was the uh, he, he was the young son that was a really weird sound um, he was a favored son. Um, he had these crazy dreams where his brothers would one day be bound down to him, even mom and dad. Older brothers, believe it or not, didn't like that. They were pretty ticked off. Dad gave him like a super fancy coat of many colors. You've probably heard of that. Um, the brothers hated him, and they devised this plan when they saw him coming uh, from a distance that they were going to kill him. One of the brothers said, no, let's not do that. Let's, let's throw him in this pit. They end up selling him to these slave traders, Uh, He ends up going to work for Potiphar, uh, who's a a big person under Pharaoh, is all you need to know. Um, He ends up getting falsely accused, thrown into prison. He finds favor there, kind of rises up the the ladder there and ends up kind of being in charge of things. Uh, There are a couple guys that worked for Pharaoh that had these dreams. Um, Joseph happened to be able to interpret dreams because of God. He interprets this dream for this this guy, the cupbearer, and he says, hey, remember, when you, when, when you get restored, tell Pharaoh about me. The guy totally forgets, um, and uh, though eventually Pharaoh has dreams. And then Pharaoh, um, the cupbearer, remembers, oh, yeah, this guy Joseph, that's how I'm here out of prison two years later. He, he tells him, and uh, Joseph comes and interprets the dreams for Pharaoh, ends up being uh, second under command. The only person more powerful than Joseph in the land of Egypt was Pharaoh. Um, and, uh, and then Jacob, uh, Joseph's brothers that sold him into slavery need food because of this famine and they come and they see Joseph uh, Joseph uh, ends up revealing himself, everyone moves to Egypt and now uh, we're in chapter 48 there's some other things in there but it's okay um, and even in 48 I'm just going to do some recapping because I really want to get to 50, it's, it's the, uh, the exciting part of this passage um, so Genesis 48, uh, and you can turn there, although I'm pretty much going to tell you the the story of 48 and 49. So uh, Jacob, he's an old man. He's about to die. Joseph has two sons. Um, Someone tells Joseph, hey, your dad's about to die. Joseph brings his two sons before Jacob, and, uh, and Jacob blesses them. Um, as if they were Jacob's sons. Not, not Joseph's, but Jacob's sons as, as if they are his own sons. Um, so he he gives them this, this blessing um, then eventually in uh, and I'm, I'm flying here, in 49 uh, he blesses, or at least in my Bible it says Jacob blesses his sons. I don't know if that's what the little title is above 49 for you, but it says he blesses his sons. He, he tells them how it's, it's going to be with the rest of their life and, and it's really based off how they've lived their lives. So some of them weren't weren't horribly shady, and, and they kind of get a decent blessing. Uh, the others, man, they were not good guys. And uh, and, and really, it looks more like curses, um, what's going to happen to them. But we're skipping over all of that. So Jacob blesses or curses the sons, um, and then he, he takes his last breath, and he dies. And he made, he made his boys promise him, you've got to take me back. You've got to take me back to the land of Canaan. You've got to take me back. Where, where our relatives have been buried to, to the land that, that was promised to us, and, and God, God assured Jacob that yeah, if you go to Egypt, it's okay. Like you, you will be brought back. Um, you, your bones will be brought back there. So we get to 50, and uh, Joseph in, in verse one, he he fell on his father's face and he wept and he and he kissed him. He was mourning and he he got the Egyptians uh, to embalm him. There's this long process of, of embalming the body. Uh, Joseph goes before. Uh, some of of Pharaoh's people, and says, hey, my my dad, and this is a loose interpretation, "Um, hey, my dad made me promise that I would take him back to to our land, where we are from. Uh, Can I do that? He gets permission. He goes. There's weeping. There's mourning. um, And then at the end, they come back, and that's where we're going to pick up. Uh, So in verse uh, 15 of chapter 50, It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? And then this next line is the most important line of the whole story. It's one of my favorite lines, actually, in all of Scripture. It said, As for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I'll provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What an incredible statement that that he can say to his brothers. The evil that you meant against me, God meant it for good. Man, man. I can't imagine being Joseph knowing that, uh, that his brothers tried to kill him, uh, even though God didn't let that happen. he would sell him as a slave, throw him in prison. I, I told you all about it. And, and Joseph can live through all that and say, no, God meant this for good. He knew exactly what was going on. Um, when, I, when I found out that I got this passage, it was Thanksgiving weekend, I was all excited. And then I started reading, I'm like, oh, man, I got to talk about suffering. <laughs> It's not a fun Thanksgiving passage, um, but you, you can't can't have this line. God meant it for good without knowing the suffering that, that Joseph went through and, and Gary went through, some of the suffering that, that that Jacob went through in his life. But man, suffering is something that God uses for our good. James one two says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds." Right, and that's that's a Bible verse you probably memorize, hoping that you are memorizing that to comfort someone else and not yourself, right? I don't want to consider pure joy. I don't want to have trials. I want an easy life. But, man, we know that God uses. He uses suffering. He refines us. He draws us closer to Him. He develops our character. He grows our perseverance. He makes us more like His Son, Jesus. But man, we want more than that. When we suffer, we, we want to know that, that there is good. That there's good in it. And not, not just good that you're making me more like Jesus. Like if we're honest. Like we want something huge. We want something that we can touch and see right now. In the middle of suffering, it is really hard to see God. It is really difficult. And some of you might be going through stuff right now. You know, I know nothing about. And it's hard for you to see God in the midst of your pain. Whatever it is. Um, it, it's hard for us. But as a Christian... We know, we know this truth that God, God uses all kinds of things, good and horrible. He uses them for good. Uh, and, and we want to see that. And I doubt when, when Joseph was, was thrown into that pit that he's like, oh, God, I see what you're doing here. This is going to be a good thing, right? He gets accused of raping Potiphar's wife when he's blameless. He, I doubt he thought, oh, God, this is, that's a good plan. This is going to be real good. Um, and the cupbearer, uh, the cupbearer says, I will tell Pharaoh about you. Right? It finally seems like there's a way out. And then the cupbearer forgets for two years. Man, it is hard. It is so hard to see what God is doing. And if only we had a glimpse of what God was doing, then we would know like, oh, he's near. He is with us. But, but when we're suffering and we can't see Jesus, it feels like, He's, he's abandoned us, even though you, you probably know verses where he says, God says, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. But when we don't see the purpose in our suffering, we can't find, and we can't find reason for it. We wonder, is God there? And as readers of Joseph's story, we get to see it, right? Multiple times when something bad ha- happens, it, 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 it says, God was with him, right? In Genesis 39, twice it says, but God was with him. God's steadfast love was with him. So so we get to see it as viewers of this story. But when you're in the midst of a storm, so often we're not able to see it. I meet a lot of times with people in counseling, sorry, in counseling that are just going through really difficult things, really hard trials, a lot of pain, suffering, and a question that so often is asked sometimes they're afraid to ask it actually but I know it's coming is man is God punishing me like did I do something is there some sin that I didn't repent of is there something that I did is that why this is happening um, and, and and every time um, uh, I'm pretty confidently able to say man if you're in Jesus like you are not being punished for your sin are there direct consequences for sin oh yeah Right? If you drive recklessly today and a cop catches you, you're getting a ticket. It doesn't matter that Jesus died on the cross for you. You're getting a ticket. Okay? <laughs> if you're a gossip and you just let your mouth run, man, there's going to be consequences for that. If you have a baby outside of marriage, it's going to be hard. There, there, there are consequences for that. But if you're in Christ and Jesus took the punishment for our sin on that cross, is there discipline? Yeah, Scripture's clear. I, we have a good dad. And he disciplines us. But, but no, you're not being punished. Um, Romans 8.1 says, there, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, so, so no, I, I don't think it's punishment. Uh, and this concept's not new. The book of Job, I don't have time to tell you that story. It's, it's, a, it's a wild, wild story in Scripture. But basically, there's this righteous man named Job, and he suffered horribly. All his kids died. Uh, nearly all of his possessions, or maybe all of his possessions are stripped from him. He's got his wife with him, and she says, why don't you just curse God and die? Um, It is not going well. Eventually he gets these gnarly boils on his body, and he has to scrape them off. It is not good. Sorry, that was a really gross image. I just saw someone go... (laughs) (laughs) um, But uh, Job's friends, they come to him, and they sit with him for days just in silence. And... uh, and it seems like they're really awesome friends, like when they're just sitting there in this pain with them. And then and then basically they tell them, like, come on, like you, you can't be going through something this bad if you didn't do something wrong, right? And we would, we would all like to believe that if I live a good life, I get a good life. If I'm a good person, like we want this, this equation, that if I do good things, I'm going to live this good, easy life. If I do good things for God, We don't say it, but God kind of owes me, right? But man, that's not the case. The reality is everyone will suffer. Every one of us, right? There isn't a person that I love that will not die. And some of them will die tragically. Jesus in in Matthew 5.45, and paraphrasing, he said, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. We are all going to experience suffering, Man, we don't dream about that stuff. Like I I dream about going to Disneyland. I dream about my kids graduating. I dream about walking my daughter down the aisle. I don't dream about how I'm going to die, how I'm going to suffer. There was one weekend where I got crazy on WebMD and diagnosed myself, and I was scared until my doctor's appointment. (laughs) I was terrified that I... I had cancer and it was all over. I was convinced, but I was wise enough to not tell Lindsay yet that that was my fate. So I got to the doctor and he said, "You're fine." Um, <laughs> but it, it, as Americans, like we, we, unlike other cultures, like we just don't think that we're going to suffer. Like we, we really think that things are going to be good. And other cultures, they they realize, like man, suffering is hand in hand with life. It, it's it's a part of life. Um, yeah, there are people in this room that. Lose your job this year. Or, or maybe you're gonna get maybe you're gonna get a, a scary diagnosis that, that's for real. Or a car accident, or, or you get ripped off, or you're passed over for a promotion, or don't get a job maybe because you know you you let people know that you love Jesus. Maybe you'll be horribly mistreated, maybe something will happen to your adult child. Uh, like suffering happens. There, there's no way around it. Um, my oldest son, he's nine. We taught him to ride his bike here, at least the day that he kind of really got it. I guess it was here at Harvest in the parking lot. And he's cruising around, and things are going great. And, uh, and I'm so proud. I'm so excited. And all of a sudden, I just had this moment of wisdom that was beyond me. And, and Caden was excited, and I stopped him. I said, Caden, at some point, you're going to crash. <laughs> I think it's funny, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> at some point, you're going to crash, and he just looks at me like, what? And, uh, and, and I said, the most important thing is that you get up right away, and we get you on that bike, and you ride again. And sure enough, you know, at some point, I mean, within minutes, he crashes, and he's crying, and, you know, we make sure he's okay, and I probably kissed his knee or something. And... uh and when the tears kind of started to fade, I said, Caden, do you remember what I said? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, what do you need to do? He goes, I need to get on my bike. And he did it. He got on his bike and he started riding. And man, Jesus in John 16:33 said, I've said these things that you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, he says to to Peter, also named Simon, 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 behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So so Satan comes to God because God is the one that's in control, right? We need to remember that. I don't have time to really get into that, but God's the one in control. So Satan comes to God, just like in the story of Job, and he, and he, he, wants, to, he wants to sift Peter, Simon, like wheat. Right? That's not a pleasant thing. I'm sure you picked up on that. He, he wants to tear Peter apart. And Jesus doesn't pray, oh man, Peter's a good guy. God, don't let that happen to him. He, he's the one that's going to chop off a guy's ear for me. and It's kind of stupid, but it's also sort of endearing. He doesn't pray that that, that God would, would would save Peter from this. He, this is what he prays. He prays that, that Peter's faith wouldn't fail, and that he would be able to strengthen his brothers. Right. And God is so incredibly glorified when His people live lives that point to Him, even when they suffer. Right. So I watch a, I watch a lot of sports. Uh, I, l- I love basketball. Football's okay. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of times someone will score a touchdown or win a championship or get some kind of award, and they praise God, right? And I don't know about you, but every time I'm like, "Come on, you really know Jesus?" Unless he's on my team, and then I Google it right away. I'm like, "Yeah, I think this guy might know Jesus." Um, but but every time, like, I'm suspicious, right? Like, does this guy really love Jesus? But man, when I see someone that's suffering, that points to Christ i 'm blown away i 'm challenged i 'm encouraged, man, how does this person, in the midst of everything that they 're going through, how do they trust christ and it, it encourages my faith. I think God is so glorified when when his, when his people, even in the midst of suffering, are about Jesus and are trusting Jesus. Um, there's a woman named Johnny Erickson Tata. Many of you probably know of her. There's a good video, but I feel like I don't have time to show it. But she's a quadriplegic. I'll post this on Facebook. Uh, she's a quadriplegic. Uh, had a diving accident uh, just after she graduated high school. She's getting ready to go off to college, and um, man, the way this woman talks, she's she's lived 46 years now as a quadriplegic. Chronic pain, right? It's it's not like she can't just use her limbs. Like she is in pain. Every day, she said breast cancer, all kinds of things. Man, she is about God. She's about Jesus and his glory. And she, she writes. She sings songs. She, she's learned to paint with her mouth, and it's not, like, bad. <laughs> like it's amazing, right? She, she, uh, she's just such a beacon of light for how good God is. And I just I hear her speak, and I, I've read a few things that she has written. And I just think, oh, Lord, you are so glorified by your servant who is suffering, who is suffering greatly. Um, man, it, it, it's incredible when, when, when we see someone that's suffering um, and, and they point to Jesus. Many of you know, um, I have a good friend, Brett, that died a couple of years ago and um, he, he died in a... He, he drowned, and uh, the circumstances were such that um, there was possibility um, that, that he drowned trying to save uh, save this kid. And at first, you know, I wholeheartedly believed that, and now, I don't know, maybe that's what happened, maybe not. I have no idea, but, but at his funeral, it, it really got blown up that he was this hero, and because uh, it, it felt good, right? Like, it brought comfort that, that Brett died a hero, um, and his mom, I think this is, this is either at the end of the funeral, uh, or, or maybe this is privately, I can't remember. But, but she said, when I get to heaven, and, and, and she was kind of kindly rebuking us for making Brett out to be a hero. She said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be running to Jesus' arms, not Brett's arms. And, and she didn't mean that she didn't love Brett and that she couldn't wait to see Brett. But man, she had it right she knew that, that Christ is her everything and I, and I'm sure there are days where that's wavering for her but man in that moment when I heard that I just thought wow that is incredible that this woman in all this pain a week and a half after her son is tragically taken she's able to point to Christ and glorify him it was it was amazing there's there's a crazy thing that happens when we suffer and we make it out on the other end with Jesus we're we're able to relate to others in their pain and we're able to point them to the hope that is only in Christ I had a friend a co-worker named Marilyn and uh, her son was killed in Iraq several years ago now um, Lindsay and I got the phone call um, just just a couple hours after Marilyn and her husband found out that their son was dead and we were at their house with I don't know maybe 10 to 20 other people that we just we wept that night we wept for our friends and their pain. We um, prayed with them. I remember being on their bed, just a circle of us praying for them. We left that night. I'm just thinking, oh, Lord, will you help them through this? And it was rough. man. I didn't know if they were going to last. I mean, their marriage was put to the test. I, I didn't know how either of them were going to make it. But after time, God really brought about healing, and, and it's been incredible to see, especially Marilyn, to see how God has used her to reach into other people's pain. And sometimes it's nearly the exact pain, whether it's another veteran that was killed or, or, or just losing a child. But, but, man, God has used her to go into places, dark, dark places, probably places that felt like the dungeon that Joseph was in, and, and, and relate and bring hope, um, bring hope to them. Uh, I mentioned my friend Brett. Um, Oh, man. Whoops. Um, when my friend Brett died, it, it messed me up. Uh, for weeks. Well, he died on July 9th, of 2012. And uh, I hated the, the ninth of each month. It killed me. It's like things were already bad enough, and then there was like an extra cloud. I had dreams for weeks trying to save my friend, and I, and I never could. Um, Hudson, our youngest, was born um, five weeks after Brett died, five or six, and uh, I had this, this totally irrational fear. It's going to sound crazy, but I was convinced that Lindsay was going to die in childbirth, and I was going to have these three kids by myself, trying to raise them, and, and Lindsay didn't know this at the time but I, I left the, the the birthing room multiple times just so I could cry because I thought for sure this is what was going to happen and it was so hard but God was with me through it all he brought healing eventually the ninth, it didn't hurt anymore my dreams uh, the nightmares were gone in fact, if I had a dream about Brett, it was really funny. One time we were playing dodgeball in the woods, <laughs> which in and of itself is great. Um, Hudson uh, was born. Lindsey didn't die. Um, eventually, uh, you know, I was just able to see and you know, God has Brett. Brett's with him. Like It's good. It's way better that Brett's up there in heaven with Jesus than with me. Doing whatever we would try to do. So four and a half months after Brett died, I found myself here at the church in room four with Charity Feb, planning a funeral for Walter, who died the morning after Thanksgiving. And there are multiple times that you know, she's just weeping in front of me. She couldn't, couldn't think of the words for how she felt or what she was thinking. And I could, because of Brett and everything I went through with him, even though it was totally different circumstances. Man, I could I could sit with her in her pain. I could confidently tell her that it was going to get better because of Jesus. It was an amazing privilege to be able to do that in my sister's life. And I shared last week in front of you all, it's been great to watch Charity, to see her cling to Jesus. And God is so good. He never, ever wastes a hurt. He doesn't waste our pain. We don't go through suffering for no reason, even even sometimes though we can't see it at all. God meant it for good. And God wants to, and He's powerful enough to use every piece of pain and suffering that, he, that you will ever go through. God knows exactly what He's doing. He's not caught off guard. Right? It doesn't say that that you meant it for good, and then God figured something out. And, or you meant it for evil. God figured something out and made it good. Um, in, uh, in Genesis 45, uh, when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, he says, he says to them, Don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you. God is in control, even in your suffering. God is in control. I played soccer. It was kind of my sport growing up. And I I had a couple of coaches that were just like masters at figuring out a person's skill set and where to put them on the field. We had this guy, pardon me, um, we had this guy that really, I don't even know how he made the team. He was not a good soccer player at all. And we were. We were okay. We didn't stink. So I don't know how he played with us. It um, sounds arrogant, and it is. Um, but the one thing that this guy could do, and I don't even understand it, he could, uh, in soccer, if a ball goes out of bounds on the sideline, you do a throw-in, right, like this. He could throw the ball further than any person I have ever seen. So in a late-game situation, if we really needed a goal and the ball went out of bounds, like near the other team's goal, he would get subbed in. And the other team had no clue what was coming, right? Because they'd seen other dudes throw it, and nobody could throw it to the goal. Not like he could, right? So he'd get in, and we'd put a bunch of guys near the sideline, make it look like we're just going to dump it right there, and then we'd have one guy at the goal, right? And Philip somehow would chuck that stinking ball way over. Nobody sees it's coming. And we'd get a shot at the goal, and sometimes it worked. Another friend, um, his nickname was Nacho. Um, and... Uh, and he was an incredible ball handler. He, he was, uh, offensively, he's probably the best player that, that we had on this one team I played on. And uh, we were, uh, I think we were like a state cup or something like that. Um, and uh, this one team, we played him before. They had this, I remember this blonde dude with like super long flowing hair. I had hair jealousy of this guy. Anyway, he was killing us. This guy on the other team, he only scored one goal, but he had many attempts. And and it just felt like, man, if we can't figure this guy out, we're toast. And our coach, second half, put Nacho on that guy. And he said, I don't even care if you do anything offensively for us. Don't even worry about us scoring. You just shut this guy down. And that's what Nacho did. He ran around him. He was a little nap. He drove that guy crazy. And the guy barely touched the ball in the second half. And I, I just remember thinking, man how amazing. Like Our coach just knows exactly where we need to be. And our God knows exactly where we need to be. Right? Um, Isaiah 45.9 says this. It says, What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a, does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying stop you're doing it wrong does the pot exclaim how clumsy can you be it amazes me like i see in scripture plenty of times where people question god and god lets it happen right like god god could just you're done right he doesn't do that he lets it happen david says some crazy things job um, he ends up saying some crazy things. Now, Job, eventually God says to him, like, are you ready for this? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know what's actually been going on. Well, not everything, but a lot. Um, somehow it's okay. The, the, like God, God lets us question him. At the same time, like, let's have reverence for God. Let's actually trust that God knows, right? He knows what is best for us. Like we can trust God through everything. We're going to sing a song. Uh, that says, I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. Like we can trust God in our suffering. So if God has you in the middle of a dysfunctional family and you're the only Christian, you can trust Jesus. If God has you married to a person that treats you terribly and has done so for years, you can trust Jesus. If he placed you in a work environment where you're used and looked over and mistreated, even though you faithfully serve and, and, and do business with integrity, you can trust Jesus. If God's allowed something horrible to happen to your child, and every day he wish that you could take their place, you can trust Jesus. If your life plans have been derailed, and you can't figure out what the next step is, you can trust Jesus. If God has taken your, your child from this planet long before you ever wanted them to, you can trust God. And if I lose one or all of my kids to a tragic accident, I can trust Jesus. And I will need you every day to remind me that my hope is in Christ. Right? Like We need to do that with each other. Let's go to Genesis 48, 3, and 4. I love this. So this is, this is back. Um, Joseph, he comes because he hears that Jacob's dying. Jacob says this to Joseph in verse 3. I think it's on the screen. It says, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make of you a company of people and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. So Jacob, and his, his life wasn't easy either, but let's just take him thinking that Joseph is dead for a very long time. I, I cannot imagine that. And yet, Jacob, at the end of his life, He's able to quote, more or less, what God promised him. He clung to what God said would happen, even though he went through some horrible things, even though he suffered. God the Creator, the one who's in control, the all-knowing, all-loving, the one who possesses all wisdom, promised Jacob some things, and he clung to those promises. Even when it was hard, he clung to what God told him. I wonder what... What promises has God given that you've clung to? Okay, I wish we could just spend a whole service going around and talking to each other about this verse and that verse and how this verse has helped you time after time. And what do you cling to? What does God promise that, that you, like Jacob, know by heart? Or do you even know God's word enough to know what God has promised? I'm going I'm to have the band come up um, I'm going to read some promises that, uh, that may, maybe you cling to. Um, certainly I cling to a lot of these. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I encourage you to cling to what God has promised. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I love the irony in the story of Joseph. It's crazy that that the very act that the brothers intended for evil was the means that God used to save them. And it's such a good storyline that, that years later, there was a favored son that came. His brothers hated him, rejected him and his claims. They wanted him gone. They came up with a plan, and they killed him. And in putting Jesus to death, the very evil act that they plotted is what God used to bring salvation. God is in control, and we can trust him.